Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. worship team they're leading in Enid this morning let's just stop right now they're right in the middle of service I believe let's pray for them father we thank you for pastor Andrew and the ministry of our element youth and God we're thankful that they're leading a congregation in worship this morning we just pray your anointing would rest upon them that they would have uh, the spirit of this house but more importantly your spirit and that they would lead those folks into a deep encounter with you I pray that you would anoint them today to minister to people on the multiple services that they will be leading today. We just pray that your presence would be very real in every one of those services. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. And uh, welcome to fall break. It actually feels like fall a little bit, doesn't it? Finally. And uh, finally, yeah. And uh, we're excited about the change in weather. But we're glad you're here this morning. And uh, trust that you have... Uh, already encountered the presence of the Holy Spirit this morning and that he's spoken to you. We have made this statement to you over the course of the last few weeks um, that every relationship of meaning has to have its base, its foundation in friendship. Friendship is very important. We talk about friendship uh, in our daily life a lot. They're my friends. He's my friend. She's my friend. But I don't think we always understand it. And so we've been talking about that. What we recognize this morning is that Jesus literally went through a progression of relationship with the disciples. In fact, if you turn into John chapter 15, you don't have to turn, but on your own time, uh, turn to John chapter 15, and what you reveal is that there's a progression that takes place. That passage of Scripture reveals that at some point in the equation, Jesus, uh, in his relationship with the disciples, considered them servants uh, because he says, I no longer call you servants. He said, now I call you friends. So there's a graduation that took place in their relationship. They started out as servants, but now they're friends. And then he tells us why. You'll remember in the week one of this series, I told you why. He says, you've become my friends because you can handle my business. And so we, we talked about the fact that real friends can handle your business. And we talked about the fact that you need friends that are high character people that that know how to handle your business because what Jesus shows us is that associates get your gifts but friends get your life those that are close to you get your life and so we said you got to have the correct people as friends and that not only do you need the correct people you got to know how to be a good friend so we talked about character. You need to have character. Last week, Pastor Woody talked about honesty, that to be a good friend and to have the right people in your life, you need people that are honest, honest with themselves, honest with each other, honest with God. You've got to have that uh, existing, that, that, that character trait, honesty in your life. And so we've been doing this. We've been uh, looking back and springboarding off of some of the lessons that we learned in the 90s off of one of uh, the really hot shows of that time that most of you watch. Don't, don't try to act all holy and righteous like you didn't watch it. You know when you're channel surfing and saw it, you'd stop. It was called Friends. And, and so we've been looking at some of the instructions that they gave us. The first two weeks, honestly, the instructions that they taught us um, were not very good. The lessons that they taught us weren't very good. They didn't teach us much about character, and they didn't teach us much about honesty. But today's uh, little clip... 
uh, Ross and Monica and Joey and Phoebe and Rachel and Chandler. They teach us a good trait. Um, now, let me do this as a precursor because my mom is in the, where, where's mom? Okay, mom, you just disappear in this service. Stick your fingers in it. This one's crude. I understand it's crude. I'm going to be grounded for weeks. I understand I'll spend all afternoon in my own room. It won't come out, won't get to eat. Um, if you have any complaints about the video clip this morning, email woody at passionchurch.tv, and I will respond immediately. Uh, but the reason I'm showing this, first of all, it's hilarious, but second, it teaches us a great uh, trait that you've got to have in your own life and in the lives of those that you consider friends. If they don't have this trait right here, they're not very good friends. And so watch this and pray for me afterwards.
All right, you're dismissed. <laughs> Not only must a person have character and be honest, but you've got to find someone who will be there on a consistent and a regular basis for you. Uh, there's a scriptural example of this that won't get me in as much trouble. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 14. I want to read it to you and then just talk to you for a few minutes about this character trait. 1 Samuel chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. It says, Later that day, Jonathan, Saul's son, said to his armor bearer, Come on, let's go over to the Philistine garrison patrol on the other side of the pass. Verse 4. The pass that Jonathan was planning to cross over to the Philistine garrison was flanked on either side by sharp rock outcroppings, cliffs named Bozes and Sina. The cliff to the north faced Michmash, and the cliff to the south faced Gibeah. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on now, let's go across to these uncircumcised pagans. Maybe God will work for us. There's no rule that God says that, that says that God only can deliver by using a big army. No one can stop God from saving when he sets his mind to it. That's a powerful statement in and of itself. Verse 7, his armor bearer said, listen to this, go ahead, do what you think best. I'm with you all the way. Jonathan shouted to his armor bearer, up, follow me. God has turned them over to Israel. And Jonathan scrambled, scrambled up on all fours, his armor bearer right on his heels. And when the Philistines came running up to them, he knocked them flat, his armor bearer right behind him, finishing them off, bashing their heads in with stones. In this first bloody encounter, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed about 20 men. That set off a terrific upheaval in both camp and field. And the soldiers in the garrison and the raiding squad badly shaken up. The ground itself shuddering, panic like you've never seen before. Picture this in your mind. Here, it's, Kind of put yourself in this, this situation. Jonathan, on his own, on his own, made a decision that I'm going to go out and I'm going to battle this Philistine group of men. He, uh, he, he, he chooses to do so, but he also chooses to take a path that was extremely difficult to navigate. Cliffs on both sides, sharp rocks, and the Bible says that the only way that they could even get to the top of the area was that they had to crawl on all fours. That's not the best fighting position, by the way. And, and here's the real dilemma. If that wasn't bad enough, he put himself and also his armor bearer in a dangerous position because not only were they having to crawl up on hands and knees, they were outnumbered and they were outpowered. In fact, if you read the story carefully, uh, you understand that unless God had intervened in this situation, it was really a suicide mission for not only Jonathan, but also his armor bearer. It was a suicide mission. Well, uh, we don't know how many men were there. All we know is what the Bible says. The Bible says that there were at least 20 there because the Bible says that when they ascended that pass and they came up off the top edge that the Philistines ran towards them and here they are outnumbered. I don't know how many men were there. I know there were at least 20 men there because Jonathan and his armor bearer killed at least 20 men but we know that, that, that there were probably more because when you continue to read it says the men that were left alive and so what you see is that the odds weren't very good. If there were a had only been 20, 20 against 2 are not favorable odds, and yet there were even more than that, apparently. It was uh, a difficult situation. He chose a difficult path. He chose an implausible situation. But the other thing we know is this, is that uh, we know for certain that the attitude of the armor bearer 
was what it was. Go back and you read and you see that even seeing the difficult path that Jonathan had chosen, seeing that they were outnumbered, seeing that the odds were not in their favor, seeing that they were probably going to be overtaken, this, this, this armor bearer steps up and he makes this statement. He says, Jonathan, I'm with you. I'm all in. Do whatever is in your heart. He is literally placing his life in Jonathan's hands. I would submit to you this morning that to be the friend that God needs you to be, and when you are looking for friends for you to find the right people, you have to find someone who is reliable. You have got to be a person to your friends that is reliable, and as you look for people to be your friends, you need to find someone who is reliable. The, said like this, uh, you need someone who is Johnny on the spot when you're being hurt and when you're being stung and when you're being attacked. When, when the jellyfish of life come up against you, you've got to have somebody that's reliable that you can count on. Well, the wise man, the, the wisest man that ever lived, Solomon, believed this trait was important because listen to this incredibly powerful passage of Scripture out of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17 says this, A friend loves at all times. Now listen to this statement. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. Man, that is a profound passage of Scripture. What he is literally saying is this. A real friend is divinely assigned to your life for the tough times. This is what I know. We generally, when, when we're going through life, we assign the greatest level of friendship to people that we uh, laugh with and that we vacation with and that we have fun with. When, when, when I talk to you about your friends, it seems like that we elevate those kind of people to the highest level, the pinnacle of friendship. They're my best friends because they make me laugh. They're my best friends because we go on vacation together. They're my best friends because we have fun together. But the wise man flips the script on us, and he would say that a true friend is there during the tough times. In fact, the wise man said, said it like this. That a true friend, or and he uses the word brother, but but it's the same connotation. Is that they a true friend, a true brother is born for your difficult moments. You need to look at people around you. Some of you are sitting next to people that you consider friends. You need to look at them this morning and say to them, you were born for me and you were born for my mess. Come on, tell them. You were born for my mess. That's why you were born. You think about the, the profound thought here. God brought this person into existence for your hard times. You think about what, how that was brought about. It is incredible to think about. Here, here's how it goes. This is an incredible thing. A man and a woman are born. They, they are brought together somehow. Uh, we, we, in, the, in the 60s and 50s, they sang about faith. We know it's not faith, but God just ordered their steps. And somehow this young man and this young woman come together, and here's the progression. They, they get goo-goo eyes for one another. They pass notes. Are you my boyfriend? Are you my girlfriend? And yes, no, all you know the little things we used to do. And, and somehow they begin to date, and then they break up. This is normal life, right? They break up. 
and then they date again, and then they break up, and they date again. Then they get engaged, and then they get cold feet, and then they get engaged again, and then they get married, and then they have a child, and then that child, by the orchestration of God, moves into the same geographical location of you, all so that that person will be present during your tear-filled moments of life. If you want to see a miracle, I want to suggest this morning that you need to quit looking past the people that have been dependable in your heartbreaking moments. They are literally a miracle from God. God worked behind the scenes for decades to position them in the right place at the right time for you so that when you go through adversity, they would step up. I'm preaching and y'all are on break. This is what I know. Pain proves friendship. Pain. When you can handle my pain, that proves that we are truly friends. Not whether we laughed, not whether we went to the beach together, not whether we had a good time. What proves that we're good friends or not is whether or not you can handle my pain and you were present to help me through pain. This is what I know. When your life is at its worst, your friends have got to be at their best. If they are true friends, they will not do this. They will not summarize your success and write a chapter on your failure. They will walk through you through the moments of pain in your life. They will not allow what you did in one chapter to taint the entire book. They will be trustworthy to handle your business. Even when your business is messy, true friends. Stay the course. They're reliable. My question to you this morning is simply this. Who do you have in your life that is reliable during adversity? Because here's the statement that I need you to understand. If everybody around you tucks their tail and run when it gets tough, then they are not friends. You missed it. When everything in your life is grand and your pockets are full and you got gas in your car and you've got fun to, to lend and, and fun to spare... If they're all around you, but the moment you have nothing, and the moment that your life is not on the mountain, it's in the valley, at the moment that there's sickness and despair, in that moment when you look around and they're gone, then they're not friends. But we can flip that too. If you run for the hills every time I'm in pain, then you're not a friend either. If I run every time I see you in pain, and I don't want to talk to you when you're in pain, and I don't want to deal with you when you're going through the t- difficult times, all I want to do is talk to you about the good days. All I want to talk to you about is the sports d- event. All I want to talk to you about is the good restaurant. All I want to talk to you about is your golf game. All I want to talk about is the weather. But the moment you start struggling, and the moment I see you downcast, I avoid you, then I have to be honest with myself and recognize I'm not the friend that God wants me to be. A true friend, the Bible says, the the wise man says, loves at all times. There's that Greek word again. Uh, It's not in Greek in here but but, because we're in the Old Testament. but, but, But here it is, that word, that powerful word all, good and bad. A real friend takes the whole deal and loves anyway. 
The wise man goes one step further. He, he talks about in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 19, listen to what he says. He says, putting confidence in an, unre- in an unreliable man is like chewing with a sore tooth. Ever been there? That's no fun. Or trying to run on a broken foot. He's drawing a word picture that shows, shows us that, that if, if you're connected with people that are unreliable, you cannot make it because there's no traction there. I want to say this to you, and I want you to catch this this morning. You need to understand this. You can fall because your friends are evil, but you can also fall because they are unreliable. In your struggle, in your brokenness, you turn to lean on them, and they're not there. You will fall. Some of you have fallen not because your friends were evil. They just weren't there. And so you find yourself alone. The wise man says you, it's like trying to run on a broken foot. You get to, to you, you, you've got no leg to stand on. You make no progress. That's why I keep telling you over and over and over again that their track record. See the connection? You can't run with some, it's like trying to run with a broken foot. Their track record is important. Their ability to be there over and over and over again. You need someone in your life. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a dirty word here. We don't like this word when we're talking about friends. You need somebody in your life that's predictable. It's funny to me that when we start talking about friends, what we always bring up is I want somebody that's spontaneous. But if you're going through a tough time, you don't want somebody that's spontaneous. Listen, you want somebody that's predictable. You know they're going to be there. They've proven over and over and over again that they're going to be there. You may want spontaneous people for fun, but it is the proven, predictable friend that will get you through the difficult times. Predictable friends are not boring they're essential for survival. Too many of us, we fail to discern that there are people in our lives that are loyal to their need of us. And then when their need changes, so does their loyalty. I am talking about people in your life that don't need anything from you, don't want anything from you, and whether you can give them anything or not, they are there for the long haul, on your best day and on your worst day. Because their loyalty to you has nothing to do with what you provide them. They're just in it because they love you. Well, they may not use the exact words that the armor bearer used, but their, their attitude is this. Do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I'm with you, heart and soul. That's the attitude of people that we want as friends. When you find somebody that has that kind of attitude towards you, where they go, listen, whatever you, you, you're thinking, it, it may crash and burn. It may cost you everything. I am with you. Those are friends. Those are friends. That's how we know we have friends here because when we looked at them and said, hey, we're going to start this church, and they looked at us and go, whatever's in your heart, do it. I knew we had friends because we were nuts. And we may still be. And they keep sticking around. They're reliable. How predictable are you? One time you answer the phone, the next time you won't. Then you're not reliable. 
okay. One time you're there, the next time I struggle, you're absent. Then you're not reliable. How will you respond when the jellyfish of life show up? Who do you have that you can count on every time? It never fails. They're there every time. You should be extremely thankful that you have someone who will follow you into the tough, uncomfortable, unwinnable situations and guard your back the entire time. Here's my concern. We never stop long enough to thank those kind of people. We take them for granted because they've always been there. We make the assumption they will always be there. And since they are reliable and since they are a good friend, they probably will be. But that doesn't excuse us from stopping long enough to say thank you because you're my best friend. And you may not be the most fun person to hang around and I may not do vacation with you. But I know at 2 o'clock in the morning when my life is falling apart, all I have to do is pick up the phone And it wasn't convenient for you, but you answered anyway. Those are the kind of people that we should be thankful for. So this morning we're going to do something because I was told this week by someone that I considered a friend that then informed me that I wasn't one. So uh, uh, after they inconveniently interrupted me, but I answered anyway. uh, They told me that Sundays don't matter. That this isn't real life. That 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 out there's life, and this is just a a game we play. And I started thinking about that, and I was like, you know what? That is true. If all we ever do is listen and don't put any feet and actions and hands to what we hear. So the ushers are going to help me this morning. Here's your altar call this morning. This is what we're going to spend the next couple of minutes doing. We've got a few minutes here. They're going to hand each one of you an envelope. And an index card, a, a little card, and a stamp, so no excuses. I can't afford a stamp. We're providing the stamp if you need it. If the person that you're going to write this card to is not someone you can hand deliver it to and you need to mail it, that's fine. We've got the stamp. All you got to do is say, I need the stamp. I already bought them. They paid for you. Might as well use them. And as we play a little soft music, I didn't cue you all on this. Sorry, Danny. But if you all would play a little something, uh, I'm going to ask you to take the next five to seven minutes. But some of you are slow riders, I know. And uh, I want you to stop and think about it. Who in your life has been like a rock? Who is faithful? Who's been reliable? Who's predictable? You ought to be thankful for them. And I want you to take this card and I want you to write them a thank you note and thank them. Thank them for the consistency the reliability, their faithfulness to you. And then we're going to deliver them. We're going to either mail it or hand deliver it, one of the two, because I bet if you're like me, you haven't told those kind of people thank you in a long time. Ushers, would you help me? It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, 
visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.